Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked on Browns. We'll call this episode 149A. We'll have a 149B for the AFC Championship game. Uh, all my Browns fans, look, I, I know it pains, but look, we're all going to watch the game Sunday. We might as well get some insight to them. Uh, it's been great that we've been talking draft coverage since October. But look, Sunday we're all going to sit down with a bunch of good food. We're going to watch two great games. Uh, you know, obviously we're going to talk Patriots here with my man Mark Schofield. But it's, it's a little different, you know, this year uh, as far as the championship games. You know, kind of have you know three new girls to the dance, so to speak, that type of thing. Uh, but one of my favorite guys, one of the closest guys, and you know, most of the time when I talk with Mark, it's family, it's kids, that type of thing. But uh, Mark Schofield, host of Locked On Patriots, obviously inside the pylon. Uh, Mike, Mark is my quarterback guy, go-to. Mark, buddy, how you been? How's everything going? It's going, oh, buddy, good to talk to you. Yeah, you know, it's weird that we actually sit down and talk about a football game because usually, like you said, it's it's kids, it's other stuff, it's family. We're just going to sit down and talk football. I'm, I'm excited. Oh, there's no, there's no better time of the year. And look, you know, last weekend was a great weekend. You know, obviously the Saturday games were different in the way they were. The Sunday games were, you know, brought a lot of excitement to them. Uh, so, look, you know, I enjoy it. Look, you know, and look, at the end of the day, for any of us, we only got three football games left because, I mean, come on, who are we kidding the Pro Bowl? Let's enjoy the living daylights out of them. But, uh, Mark, yeah, it's an upstart Jacksonville franchise. Obviously, these guys come in, they're cocky, they're confident. Um, but you look across this roster and the talent that's been assembled as the weeks go on. And maybe, you know, I've started the other ones from the offensive side of the ball. Let's start with the, these ones from the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, obviously, it goes through Leonard Fournette. Um, you know, they're missing Allen Robinson. You know, obviously, Lee had a good year. Uh, but the rest of the wide receiving core is kind of some no-names who've done some contributions. You know, what's first and foremost, what's your overall thought about this, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars offense? I mean, look, they hung 45 points last week. Yeah, they, they did. They, they put 45 up on Pittsburgh. 14 of those, you know, were either directly from turnovers, the, the strip six of, of bad or their interception, which gave them a short field. But that's been their recipe all year long. You know, they will rely on their defense to get them some short fields, to get them into some plus situations when they start a drive. And then they thrive off the running game. They feed Fournette. They want to keep Bortles under 25, 22 attempts a game. They'll take their shot plays off of play action, which they did against Pittsburgh. You know, they, they hit the one to Cole late in the game when on a deep shot on a second and eight, I believe play action throw to, to Bohannon for the touchdown that that's their recipe you know that game that victory over Pittsburgh was sort of a microcosm of their entire season defense first pound the running game set up play action take advantage of some shots down the field off of play action that's why I stop that's why stop at the run for New England so pivotal on Sunday do you think that is something that they're going to be able to do because uh, I mean look uh, Leonard Fournette you know he came with some knocks you know, into the draft, you know, maybe some people were turned off. But, look, the guy, as big as he is, you know, and as quick as he is, he's a lot more agile. I mean, you saw a lot of spin moves. Uh, you yes. know, obviously he's coming in with a little bit of question about ankle. Uh, you know, you know, look, the old D-back in me, I prefer the offensive side of the ball. Man, this is a guy you do not want to get involved with one-on-one. No, you don't. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head, Jeff. The, the spin move is something that, you know, when I was watching that game Sunday and did my show, you know, Sunday night, one of the notes I had was if you're looking to tackle him in the in the open field, you'd be wary of that. 
because he'll put that spin move behind the line of scrimmage. He'll put it on you in the open field. And for a guy his size that has that kind of raw power to add that tool to the arsenal, it's an impressive thing that he can use as a running back anywhere on the field. And, and you know, obviously the ankle is an issue for him. I still think he's going to be, you know, close to 100%. But the New England, they have to stop him first. They have to stop him first. They've got to get Jacksonville into, you know, second and nine, third and ten type situations because then you've got Bortles to contend with. And the interesting thing about Bortles is he's sort of become the anti-Rex Grossman over the course of the last stretch of the season and into the playoffs where, you know, with Grossman, the knock on him was, you know, forget it. He's going deep, right? He's just going to chuck it deep and hope. With Bortles here, there were times against Pittsburgh where he didn't even finish his drop. If he sees grass on the edge, if he sees a running lane, he's just going to tuck it and go. And so that sort of hamstrings you defensively. You almost have to play him like you play a a Marcus Mariota or a Tyrod Taylor. You have to think about using zone coverages so you don't turn your back on him. You have to think about using man coverages but with a spy to sort of – contain him in the pocket if you run twist you run stunt you've got to be quick when you loop to the outside because you don't want to give him the edge you don't want to lose pocket structure and you don't want to lose contain on him so that's another thing to watch if they can get Bortles involved in the run game that's going to really put new england behind the eight ball in terms of trying to stop this offense uh and that was the thing because uh they they didn't run a ton of you know called manufactured runs obviously they ran one early but, and that's the thing, I mean, I think they've kind of coached him with the play-to-win mentality. And you saw the play to Yeldon, and there was the other one where he got him, you know, he took him down, I think it was like a 13, 12-, 13-yard run, got him down into the 20. And look, it was green grass, and that's, you know, I kind of go back to his bowl game, I guess it was Fiesta Bowl a couple of years ago, you know, when he was still at UCF against Baylor. And, you know, and he won that game with his legs. And it's almost, you know, Trent Dilferish, but not, you know, Trent didn't run, obviously, when he was a Ravens quarterback, but it was like, look, if you can get yards and we don't have to worry about you throwing it, that's best for all of us right now. And, you know, it's a positive type of thing. And But in the, but I do want to give Blake a little credit because I, I think last week he showed pretty well from the passing aspect. The Bohannon play was just a fantastic play call, though. Yeah, yeah. The Bohannon play was a great play call. The throw to, call, the throw to Cole was a great throw. The play to Yeldon, you know, if you want to sort of talk about Bortles from a developmental standpoint, what you saw on them on that throw to Yeldon, you know, he was getting to his third, fourth, fifth, back to his third read on that play. And that's the kind of stuff that you don't typically associate with Blake Bortles. You picture him, you know, rushing a decision in the pocket or giving up on a clean pocket and scrambling or forcing a throw to his second read. But there he was calm, made a decision from the pocket, which is the right one. And it paid off in a huge way. And something interesting to note, you know, you mentioned Yeldon. I think that offense got a bit of a jump start to them when Yeldon came on, when Fournette went down with that ankle for a couple of drives. Yeldon adds a nice little piece for them. And it would not surprise me to see Yeldon get some more snaps in this game to give New England a different look. You know, New England's been ready to, you know, stop the run. You know, that's Belichick's MO. He wants to stop what you do best. Wouldn't surprise me to see Yeldon get a significant amount of playing time on Sunday. It's kind of funny because it's kind of like he's kind of gives them a Deion Lewis flavor, a James White flavor. Yeah. And the dump off where he hit him, I mean, I don't want to say dump off. But Blake placed the ball perfectly where, you know, TJ ran into the ball. When he caught it, he was already going at max speed. And it was just basically a game on from there. And, you know, that's what you get from this Jacksonville team. It is a fast team. You get a ton of that. And it was just, 
And that's what you saw with that. And, and obviously the patients, you know, Blake Bortles, you know, not even, I would say Blake Bortles in September would have airmailed air -mail that and threw it through the uprights. So you see a little more patience for him. I don't know if it's, you want to say slowing down because third year, it, it, I mean, fourth year, you don't want to use the term slowing down, but it's maybe more of an understanding and having the patience to let something develop. So he could be more dangerous here, but you do have to have a little, you know, leery of, you know, is the situation ever going to get too big for Blake Bortles? But look, two road wins at Pittsburgh, you know, going into this. So that's going to be interesting on that. Uh, guys, we have Mark Schofield on here for our AFC Championship Game Preview. Uh, one of my favorite Locked On podcasts, Locked On Patriots, a uh, guy named Mark Schofield covers. But guys, look, it, it's more than just Patriots coverage. It's football broken down. Mark's one of my favorite guys. You know, so by look, follow all of us, subscribe to all 32 shows. But Locked On Patriots is one of my favorite ones. Mark, we're going to flip it over to the other side of the ball now here. Uh, offensively, uh, and here's one thing before we get into some player things that I want to bring up. This Jacksonville defense, look, they're a fiery group. You know, for the most part, they're a young group. I think one of the things, and I mentioned this before we, you know, before we actually, you know, hit the record and got rolling into this, is what happens when they get, look, you're, there's going to be unfavorable calls. It happens. Uh, you saw it happen, obviously, in the Tennessee game. What happens when a call doesn't go Jacksonville's way? And how are these young guys going to react? Because they are a fiery bunch. Yeah, Jeff, that's a, it was a great point. You brought it up, like you said, before we started recording. And to be, you know, I, I hadn't even thought about that. But the second you mentioned it, it just like clicked in my head like, wow, you know, that's definitely something to watch. And you saw it, you know, Tennessee, similarly inexperienced type team. They had a lot of calls go against them last Saturday night, some questionable calls, and it got on, it got to them. You saw Eric Walden had the personal foul, the unnecessary reference, where he gave Nate Solder a shot to the face mask after a whistle. So it definitely bothered them a little bit. It's a great point. You know in this game there's going to be one call that goes New England's way, maybe even early. You know, does Marone have these guys ready for that? Does he let them know going in? Like, things might not go your way throughout this game. Things happen in New England. Headsets might go out. Crazy stuff happens. We've all seen it. <laughs> you know, so just roll with the punches. Don't get down. It's like it's like playing poker. Like, don't show your face. Don't show. Don't lose control of your emotions because it's going to be a 60-minute game. I firmly believe this is a game that goes down to late in the fourth quarter, maybe even the final possession before it's fully decided. And so Jacksonville is going to have to come in and stay composed throughout this entire game. It's a great point. I think Marone's going to have them ready to do that. But we'll see. I mean, like you said, what if you know you get a red zone play and they decide to go Y-ISO with a Gronk's put out, and they do put Ramsey on him in the red zone, and maybe Gronk gets away with a little OPI for a touchdown, and Ramsey starts to get chippy. Like, what happens on that type of stuff? So it is something to watch. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Jalen Ramsey, I love him to death, the former, uh, former Florida State Knoll. My guys, nine Knolls playing this week. I'm excited about that. But uh, you saw he got a little aggravated with the personal foul that, you know, he kind of got blocked into, which maybe wasn't a call. But you saw maybe he kind of lost his cool after that. So it's going to be interesting to see the way these young guys handle it. Uh, obviously, uh, Gronk, this is kind of where it starts. This is kind of where it ends. Uh, I'd like to see some Jalen Ramsey on him. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, is, is Gronk the be-all, end-all? Or is there a different way you think New England should handle this offensively? Yeah, Jeff, it's a very good question. I, I think what we're going to see is typically what we've seen from New England in the past throughout this year as well where 
you know, they're going to do things in the pre-snap phase, motion, shift, and all the stuff that they'd like to do to try to identify matchups that they want to exploit, that they think they have an advantage with. Obviously, they're going to try to get the ball to Gronkowski. We're going to see what Jacksonville actually does. Both Marod and Todd Wash, their defensive coordinator this week, they basically said they're going to do what they do. They're not going to just put a Jalen Ramsey on him. I'd be surprised if it plays out that way. I do expect to see Ramsey on Gronk, particularly in the red zone, if they do go Y-ISO. But I expect to see New England you know, spread the ball out, use motion, use shift. And I really think they're going to try to win this game with Danny Amendola and Deion Lewis and James White against, you know, Telvin Smith, against Barry Church, against Aaron Colvin. I think that's where this matchup really sort of works in New England's advantage. They can do some scheme stuff on the outside to get Hogan some freedom on the outside to maybe scheme Brandon Cooks open for a couple of deep shots. But, you know, Jacksonville has the advantage there if it's, you know, Hogan and Cooks versus Bouye and Ramsey. Like those are two very good corners, but I think the advantage flips to New England on the inside, and then you get Gronkowski working on the inside as well. Maybe it's against Church, maybe it's against Miles Jack with some safety help from Gibson. Who knows? But I think that's when New England tries to win this game. They try to win it between the numbers, quick throws, slants, option routes, and when they got Amendola involved last week, when they got him 13 targets, 11 receptions for over 100 yards, I think that was a signal to how they're looking to approach the rest of their playoff and potentially Super Bowl run is to get Amendola involved because you go up against a team like Jacksonville on their pass rush and then in the Super Bowl you're going to face two good defenses no matter who you're playing they want to get the ball out of Brady's hand Amendola is the way they can do that oh, I, well first off I agree with you apparently you're, you know, you stole my notes I don't know how you got the picture of it <laughs> I'm but, a smart uh, man we're smart man we're Smith, smart man of course but Telvin Smith versus White and Lewis that's going to Look, and it's not even so much about whether or not they catch the ball. It's going to be they have to be tackled immediately. You know, Aaron Colvin versus Danny Amendola. I think, and this is part of what New England likes to do is, you know, it's almost kind of like the Novocaine type of thing is, well, I, I want you concerned about this, which is not really going to kill you. But if you're concerned about it, then we're going to come in with the absolute, you know, the absolute power punch. And you brought up Coach from that aspect too. Uh, I want to go to this though. Uh, look, Jacksonville can wreck, wreck. The uh, obviously, you know, the passing game uh, over 50 sacks this season. Uh, their initial four that they start out with, I mean, you're talking about an average of about six foot five, 295 pounds. I mean, these guys are beasts. What's your confidence level with the New England offensive line? Are they going to be able to handle this? I think they will, Jeff. And I do think it starts with, you know, getting the ball out of British hands quickly. You know, the evolution of the New England offense this year, they took on more of a downfield, I don't want to say full vertical pass game, but they incorporated a lot more of that into their regular season play scripts than we had seen in the past. But I think this week, particularly, they go back to more of what we've seen from them in the years prior, where they do spread it out, they try to get the ball up quick, get it out of Brady's hands in under two seconds or as close to two seconds as possible to really sort of keep that pass rush in check to you know, prevent them from having even enough time to get home to Brady. So that will be issue number one. And issue number two is this, you know, they can go six, seven deep up front. They got, they're healthy up front, but they got, you know, they're too deep at most of the spot up front where they can just rotate guys in and out and try to keep guys fresh. New England's going to counter that with Temple. They're going to stay 
no huddle. I think a lot in this game. They're going to try to keep whoever starts a drive. They're going to make those defensive linemen, those guys up front, finish those drives, try to get them winded and wear them down. I love to make boxing analogies. I look at a lot of those no huddle drives that I expect New England to use early as sort of those body blows that you get in the opening rounds to sort of bank those get the guy winded so then when you get into the eighth the ninth the tenth round you've got that guy winded he doesn't want to come out of the corner he's worn down you know and i i think this game is new england wants to play it the same way they want to use those no huddle drives get those guys worn down up front so when it comes to the fourth quarter and they need to you know have five or six minute type drive where they're running the ball to try to milk the clock and salt this one away they can do that okay well here's the question and look everybody wants to know um, I'm sure you've reached out a little bit. Is there any truth that Tom Brady might be hurt, or is this the fact that he was on the injured report for seven seasons with a shoulder injury and, you know, one MVP out of five of those seven years? Right. And, you know, I, I will say this. I, I've used this analogy a couple of times today on a couple of different shows. And, I, you know, I'm reminded of that scene from For Love of the Game when Kevin Costner's character, he shows up to the bullpen session the morning he's supposed to throw he's, he's late his coach is wondering you know i thought i was gonna have to get somebody else and costner's like look have i ever not showed in the years that i've been pitching here have i ever not shown up and it's the same type of thing with brady i don't doubt for a second that there was something that caused them to examine his hand yesterday whether it's you know i've heard speculation that it was you know even an open dislocation of one of his fingers people are analyzing you know a couple of still photos from practice they wondered what's going on the glove that he was wearing throw all that out the window because come kickoff come to england's open in possession number 12 is going to be in the huddle he's going to be under center he's going to be ready to go and just this is all just noise and distraction leading up until sunday and there could be some game gamesmanship there as well of course and, and it has he, happened before and look mark uh mark we're both a little bit north of 40 uh there's days where look man the body ain't cooperating so you want to know yep. what looked, well no tom will be there sunday so there's no reason to waste any throws on thursday that's exactly right that's exactly right and you know brady has they have worked in scheduled days off for him throughout the year and you know I, i'm not you know diving into some sort of conspiracy theory where they're just trying to schedule a day off for him or something but they've done it before and he's come out and played just fine so i again i, I just i want to get worked too worked up over this issue uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, and it may be, you know, look, the ultimate game player, and it may be something to make these younger guys on the Jacksonville d- defense think about it. And then he's going to go whiz a seam route at, you know, his normal velocity. And all of a sudden, these guys are going to have to react. And like, all right, well, I guess we kind of maybe bought into that, and it was BS. Mm-hmm. But, Mark, we're going to move on here. Uh, obviously, you know, mybookie.ag has been a great sponsor to us all here on Locked On. Uh, you play, you win, you get paid. Mark, you're going to throw the fact that you cover the New York, uh, New England Patriots. You're going to throw away the fact that you have your Massachusetts size. If a line at eight and a half, uh, does Jacksonville represent enough of a threat that you would not take the eight and a half? Would you take Jacksonville in this scenario? I've been telling everybody all week long, you know, it opened at nine, get to nine and a half. Now it's down to eight and a half because of the thumb thing. But whatever it is, eight and a half, nine, nine and a half, I'm taking Jacksonville in the points because 
I look at this game and I think it is a one score game. I think it's a 28 20. That's kind of the number I've settled on 28 20. Maybe Jacksonville gets a late TD to sort of make it interesting an onside kick type situation. But I think that Jacksonville keeps this a one score game at halftime. I think their defense does enough sort of early to maybe fluster Brady for some quick throws. Maybe they hit him a couple of times offensively. They will have something ready, whether it's Bortles and designed run plays for him, a couple of shot plays downfield. This is going to be a game. I know people like Dan Shaughnessy and others up in the Boston area are basically saying it's a tomato can type game and they should rest Brady and all this crazy stuff. And, you know, there are clown shows out there like Locked On Patriots that are taking this game seriously. Jacksonville is <laughs> a very good team. OK, Jacksonville is a very, very, very good team. They can come in here. They can come into Foxborough. They can win this game. So given all of that. Yeah, I'm taking Jacksonville on the points. Um, yeah, I, I do think it's actually, I think it's a little disrespectful to think that Jacksonville cannot give them a game. Uh, look, Leonard Fournette, uh, he gets hot. You could be talking yep. 30 carry, 190-yard performance. Yep. And look, there's only so much Tom Brady can do sitting on the heated bench. But here's the other thing. Jacksonville's not walking into a disgusting weather game. It's, you know, the weather should be favorable. 55 or something, yeah. Exactly, and that's the thing. It's going to be a three o'clock start. I mean, the sun, you know, it'll just be trickling down by the end of the game. So it's not, you know, by the end the momentum's running. So weather will not be an issue whatsoever. I think the defense. I think the biggest thing here, as far as the line is, Jacksonville's defense needs to play well early. Um, obviously, with New England, it's very easy to get discouraged early if Tom comes in and smacks it. You know, they go. You know, obviously, seventy-five yards first drive. You know, people are going to get discouraged because then the pressure is going to be on Blake, which is what you not want. You know, obviously you saw the way it worked out for them last week in Pittsburgh. They got up early on the running game. The defense did even more, so it worked in that. So I agree. I will take Jacksonville here. You know, I, you, for me, Mark, I love you, bud. But if I saw a Jacksonville-Minnesota Super Bowl, that'd be great because I got no rooting interest here. So let me see some new girls to the dance, that type of thing. Uh, you know, or, you know, the old Jet fan in me. Maybe another title, and everybody in New England just says, you know what, guys? It's like the Beatles. It's time to break up. <laughs> it's time everybody to break goes, it up. We, we, what more can we possibly do at this point? But for me, the mybookie.ag, you play you when you get paid. I agree with Mark. I will take Jacksonville in the points. Uh, Mark, before we move on, uh, you're going to be busy the next couple of weeks. Uh, you know, you got a little mobile action, possible Super Bowl action. Any time for rest for the wicked? How are you holding up here, bud? Ah, uh, I drink a lot of Diet Coke. What can I say? I mean, but it's it's the, <laughs> the best time of year. <laughs> I mean, it's the best time of year, right? I mean, we, we only get got three games we, left. We only got we, three games left. Yeah, but then we get all of draft season. The takes are already flying. Everybody's convinced themselves that Josh Allen is now QB one, and he's going first overall to your new adopted Cleveland Browns. We everybody we can have fun Mel with that. Kiper. I mean, Mel Kiper's had a rough day. He he did have a rough day, and. Jeff, we talked about this on the show a couple a month or so ago. Yeah, we, we can recognize. You can't say that. he won, but you can't say I don't care if no. he won. What the heck did Josh Allen win? He's at Wyoming. He won nothing. He won a bowl game against that's Central it. Michigan. And that's it. Like if you want to make the case that Josh Allen is QB one and he should go first overall, don't cite stats. Don't cite that he won. Say that you're buying in on the big arm and the hopeful development potential inside of him. And if you want to make that case, go ahead. I couldn't do it, but go ahead. That's it, all I'm saying. It was just it, it's just insane. And and that was even the thing. You you put him at a 
at, at a one and you know, oh, stats are for losers. Uh, really? Because I, I, there's a lot of guys out of here with production data that goes back 30, 35 years. I had Jim Coburn on a couple weeks ago, and I believe his market share for Josh Allen was like 20-something percent yeah. that guys like him succeed. I mean, look, you know, if you want to say you want to know what, I'm putting everything on the line and banking on the potential. Then you want to know what, you know, there's the guy who, you know, bets on the horse who is a, you know, one to 90 shot. Go for it. That's great. You know, I can respect it. But at least state that that's what you're going with. But, I mean, to, to act like everybody else is an idiot because it's going to be, I mean, if you were to go one, they won't even show game footage. They'll show, like, you know, as the draft shows are going on. Oh, look at him in his shorts and his T-shirts in Indianapolis, nailing that 10-yard out to a tight end he didn't even know. They won't yeah. show game footage because yeah. there's nothing to show. Yeah, it, he, you're, you're betting on turning the highlight reel quarterback that he is into – a down-in, down-out, drive-in, drive-out, steady quarterback in the NFL. And again, I come back to my nuclear loose comp. Who's his Crash Davis? Who's the guy that's going to sort of develop him in the National Football League? Are we going to go all in on Hugh Jackson developing a number one quarterback in the form of Josh Allen into the guy you expect to get when you draft him first overall? Are we going to bank on that? It's. It, it, I mean, it's. look, it, obviously we have a long way to go. Um, and, you know, the joy of Mel Kuyper is this will probably change somewhere, you know, somewhere along the line, probably right after the combine when something changes there. But, you know, it, it, it's the drasticness of it and the amount of, you know, hype it gets so early. Uh, you know, there'll be a new cute quarterback flavor of the week. Uh, you know, Allen will go down. You know what? It's probably good for Allen, though, because if he's so high right now, he'll go down again in two weeks. And then all of a sudden, right around my birthday, late March, beginning April, he'll get, make, begin his rise back up. But it was just, you know, and, you know, look, Twitter's ablaze, and I'm sure Mel Kuyper loves the fact that everybody was talking about Mel Kuyper. Uh, but, Mark, kind of giddy for Sunday? I mean, look, I mean, how many AFC Championship games have you been involved with? But, look, Tom Brady's 40. I don't know how many tickets to the dance you guys might be looking at. Eventually, it's going to end. I mean, avocado, avocado ice cream only goes so long. It does. It only gets you so far. And, you know, Jeff, you know, we know father time is undefeated. Eventually Brady is going to lose that battle. And, you know, that's why, you know, every sort of opportunity you get, you know, you have to sort of savor it and take advantage of it. And I, I think that's why that more than anything else, you know, the sort of speculation about Brady's hand and whether he's going to be a go and whether he's, you know, again, throw it out the window because you think Brady is going to take anything to leave anything to chance on Sunday? No, of course not. And so, yeah, there he'll be out there. And, you know, obviously as a guy that grew up in Boston that covers the Patriots, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful, but again, I'm cognizant of the fact that, you know, they got to play a good game. They got to play close to a perfect game because, you know, Jacksonville is a young, talented and hungry team that they've already sort of in their mind won this game. That's how confident they are. And they should be. Well, I think the Jacksonville fan base is also kind of thinking they're kind of going the route of, uh, there was some time about 20-something years ago where we sent Dan Marino's old ass home. So yep. I think that's what these guys are looking at. But uh, Mark Schofield, obviously, guys, locked on Patriots inside the pylon, regardless of what happens Sunday. Uh, look, uh, Senior Bowl, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, a lot of guys down there. Mark will be in Mobile. It's the account you need to follow as far as quarterbacks go. Uh, Mark, always appreciate the time, appreciate the friendship. Uh, always a good time, bud. Always a good time, Jeff. It's always a blast coming on. And by the way, people, 
take it from me. You guys, I said this the last time I was on. I'm going to even double down on it. The Browns fan base, I know you're a tortured fan base. You've been through a lot the past couple of years. But to have Jeff Lloyd now be your voice here at Locked on Browns is just a tremendous asset. You guys, if you're listening to this, go out, tell your friends, tell your loved ones, tell your wives, tell your kids, tell strangers on the street to subscribe to locked on browns it's it's a tremendous resource i love it i listen to it jeff does a great job with it and you guys are lucky to have jeff in some point jeff's going to be talking about an afc championship game that involves the cleveland browns and hopefully josh rosen as their quarterback but that oh. day will come oh it would be too, it would be just too nice because they've had a tough day today because apparently baker mayfield's working out with somebody uh, working out with kenny stills and he's got eyes on miami Look at guys, who wouldn't want to go to Miami at 23 years old? Who Meanwhile, wouldn't want to live on South Beach? Exactly. Get a nice beachfront car. Come on, people. And not to mention the tax implications. Look, these look, these guys got financial players. They got agents. Like they know what's going on. Yeah. But uh guys, locked on Browns, episode 149A. We'll have the Jaguars version a little bit later. We'll probably drop this one on Saturday. The NFC Championships one will drop that tomorrow. Thanks to Mark thanks to Mark Schofield. Uh, guys, appreciate it. Look, Browns fans, we're going to get there one day. But to now, we kind of got to listen. We'll get back to the draft stuff, the free agency stuff going next week. But uh, appreciate all of you listening. Let's go, Browns. Mark, have yourself a great night. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow.